Good morning, church. Have you ever played with explosives? Combustibles? Um, Okay, don't blame me. I was a child of the 80s and 90s. Um, I remember playing with firecrackers when I was in grade five. My friends would bring them in after they'd been traveling back home to their families in other world areas, and they'd come back with these little explosives. It was a ton of fun. There was those baking soda where you would add more vinegar, more baking soda, more, 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 trying to make it as big as possible. I remember, I think it was 1995 or 96, I was a junior cabin leader at a camp, at, our, at Camp Hermatton. I'll be honest, okay, fine. All right, at Camp Hermatton. And what they let us do at the time was, after the kids had fallen asleep, us as junior cabin leaders, we were given permission to leave the cabin and go and have our own campfire. So that's what we did. We're sitting around the campfire, we're having conversations, We're teenagers that are not being monitored. And um, I have this empty spray can of bug spray. Now, I, I understood what a spray can in a fire could do. I understood that. I didn't understand it. Um, anyways, I throw it into the fire. And we all, like... We all agreed on this, and we're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. We toss it in. We knew enough to go and hide behind a small bench, and so we're like peering. We're like looking, waiting, 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 waiting. Oh, I should mention that there's like another campfire that's just a little further away with like the older high school students and the mature cabin leaders, and they're having their own campfire. All of a sudden, boom, and like all of these shards of wood and ash and like splinter everywhere. And um, I was appropriately disciplined. (laughs) Okay, fast forward 25 years. Um, Every, so I I started working at Camp Hermatton. Um, And every year, one of the highlights for a few of us um, was the purchase and use of launching fireworks legally, Um, and and it was fun for the kids, but it it was also fun for us as adults. Um, But our first year, um, our first attempt didn't go quite as planned, and it involved me running, jumping, ducking for cover, and we we learned some things that day. It was good. Uh, Powerful things are scary things. That's what we learned. Um, What powerful things frighten you? Is it driving on the highway and having like the double semi-truck right beside you and you're like, does he see me? Is he gonna turn? Is he just gonna like push me right into the ditch? Um, Is it weapons like the Nerf gun that my my young niece had? Um, Is it the Garburator? Um, Is it Steven Estabrooks? (laughs) I thought I'd just throw that one out there. You're right there, love you, man. Or what powerful ideas frighten you? Um, I'll be honest, I get a little worried when people get caught up in things like fascism, conspiracy theories, hyper-nationalism, or Marxism, cancel culture, and there's like all of that energy, and you feel the power of the mob starting to grow. That's frightening to me. That makes me nervous. Um, I remember not talking about mobs, Um, but I do remember the first time I had to jumpstart a car. 
Uh, my dad took it as a learning opportunity for me to help him. And it wasn't one of those like, learn by failure opportunities, thank the Lord. It was, but honestly, I held those cables so far apart. I was like, if, how close? I could, no, no. So it's like putting one here and I'm like, dad, what do I do now? And he's like, Trent, you don't have to leave your arms that far apart. It's okay. I'm like, I, it's gonna, something's gonna happen to me. Because um, I understood, like, I did not want that power to affect me, to hurt me, uh, powerful things are scary things. Last week, I started a sermon series uh, entitled Equipping or Equipped. And this was taken from Ephesians 4, where it says that the Holy Spirit gave gifts to the church for equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, the purpose of these next couple of weeks is for us to get ready for the fall. Summer jobs are ending, university is beginning, and we desire to be a vibrant, transformative, uh, healthy, relevant community of faith. But for us to do that, for us to be that, requires it all. It requires our natural gifts, and it requires our supernatural gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. At the end of the service, I invited us to go home with a simple project. You don't have to tell me if you did it or not, but this was what the project was. Write down everything you're good at. I'm good at this, I'm good at that. I think I might be good at that. Um, I'm good at lists, check, check, check. Um, you, whatever you're good at, write it all down and then put it before the Lord saying, Lord, thank you for this gift. Thank you for helping me be able to be good at these things. Thank you for these talents and skills. But I give them to you, they are yours. Thank you for giving them to me. Um, God has uniquely wired you, right? You've been uniquely created. You are one of a kind, and that is perfect. Now, some of you might disagree with that. You might not believe yourself. You might think, you know what? I'm insignificant. I'm irrelevant. I'm useless. I just get in the way. And those are lies. You need to know that is a lie that is straight from the enemy. God has created us with gifts and skills and talents that are good and need to shine in our community. So we have our natural gifts that God has given us. And then there are supernatural gifts, gifts that are available through the power of the Holy Spirit. These are gifts that come from God, but they are uniquely given through the filling of the Holy Spirit. They are expressions of the one primary gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And through the gift of the Holy Spirit, we are called to serve others with his gifts, gifts of the Spirit. And that's what I would like us to focus our attention on today, those gifts. In 1 Corinthians 14.1, it says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Or as the NASB translate, translates it, pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Now, no one disputes the necessity of pursuing love, of, for making sure that love is foundational. There's, there's no question about that. But we all agree as well that love is hard, love is complicated, but it is essential. Every church, I am sure, is rightly asking, how do we love our neighbor? How do we love God? 
How do we grow in love? What, what even is love, right? We're asking these questions. And I would imagine that many of us want to pursue that. That's a thing that we would go after. But the second part of that statement is also something for us to consider. What about the second one? Pursue love, yes, but also earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Now, for me, when I think about the general church, the the large church, I, I wonder how many churches are asking, Lord, how can I better understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit? How can I better understand how to use these, the gifts of the Holy Spirit? How can I better understand how to use these to serve my neighbor? How do I show love through my spiritual gifts? How do I grow in my spiritual gifts? Um, Why do you think that there is resistance to that question, to this need? Uh, Let's go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 14, to explore a little bit about what this might be saying to us. Now, quick little side tangent. In a couple of weeks, in the month of September, we are entering a sermon series where we are tracing the story of the New Testament church through the book of Acts. It's titled Unstoppable, right? It's the remarkable story of the early church, this fledgling group of normal people who reshape all of history. And there's something for us to learn from the early church. So that's a sermon series that we can be excited for that's coming up. Um, But for today, let's take a quick look at Acts 14. And like last week, I want us to enter into the story. Allow us to just imagine ourselves there. And then maybe ask yourself this question, why might there be resistance to the Holy Spirit's gifts? So starting at verse 8, you can listen along. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached, looking straight at him. Now, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up. And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, these men are gods in human form. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and that Paul was Hermes since he was the chief speaker. Now, the temple of Zeus was located just outside town. So the priest of the temple and the crowd brought bowls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates and they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard what was happening, they tore their clothes in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, friends, why are you doing this? Why are we, we are merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring you good news that you should not turn or that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways. But he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from um, from bringing sacrificing to them. Then 
some Jews arrived from Antioch um, and Lyconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town. Wow, that just shows right up there. There's no fanfare. Just they, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of town thinking he was dead. Thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into the town. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. Okay, that's a story. <laughs> Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, sees a crippled man and heals him. Now, from our comfy vantage point, this is a beautiful, lovely Bible story demonstrating the power of God, the love of God, the truth of Jesus as the Messiah through miraculous healing, the expansion of the church. These are all good things. But put yourself into the story for a second. If you were there, if this was you, you see a man, you, you speak with the authority of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. This man is healed. And next thing you know, there is a mob. People are going crazy. People are chanting things in a language you don't even know. You don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, people are bringing in bowls and wreaths, and they're like bowing down to you, and it is terrifying. Things are going crazy. Next thing you know, the religious leaders are like steaming angry, and they've been like spreading rumors. They've been talking. And next thing you know, there's a crowd of people that have once were like super excited. They're now holding stones, chasing you, stoning you. You basically die, dragged out of town. We, we read into these old stories, and we, we read from our vantage point. And we see that God is good and he's doing a miraculous thing. But if we were there, I just think, Paul, if you had just, just preached about Jesus, you know, said nice things, told the stories, suggested that you follow him, you know, gently. If you just kept things really simple, keep the healings out of it and the miracles. If the Holy Spirit hadn't healed that man, Nobody would have thought them gods. Nobody would have tried to bring sacrifices to them. Certainly no one would have beaten them with rocks and left them close to dead. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are powerful. Powerful things are scary. Acts 1 verse 8 says this, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, the Greek word, as several of you know, or some of you might know, um, for power in this circumstance is dunamis, or that's the root. And this root form of the word in the English translation is where we get words like dynamic and dynamite. The power of the Holy Spirit is explosive. And the early church knew this. They saw how explosive it was to let the Holy Spirit be active in their lives. The gifts of the Spirit can certainly complicate things. They move us out of our safe, stable, predictable social club status. 
Think about the early church, that very beginning. How did they start? The followers were gathered together in a room, minding their own business. They were huddled together quietly, just praying. They were perfect Canadian Christians, just, you know, doing their own little thing. And then what? Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At about that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud sound, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages, languages being spoken by the believers. Whoa, 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 whoa. Church, early church, take it easy. <laughs> like, go back to your quiet rooms, mind your own business, don't disturb these lovely folk that happen to be walking across by the street. They don't need to be disturbed. You know, your God made some pretty loud noises, Ah, that's a bit offensive to me. You've caused them to be bewildered. Like, don't bewilder people. That's not nice. They're bewildered. And then later on, we see that then they stood and they were amazed and perplexed. And then they asked, what can this mean? They asked each other. But then others in the crowd ridiculed them, right? Saying, oh, they're just drunk. That's all. So why resistance to the Holy Spirit? It's bewildering. And using the gifts of the Holy Spirit might mean others ridicule us, misunderstand us. Paul, on one of his missionary journeys, planted a church in the city of Corinth. They were excited new believers, and it was a vibrant, spirit-filled church. But over the years, lots of unhealthy practices, activities, and beliefs started to filter into the church. And much of what Paul teaches in his letters to the Corinthians is addressing these issues. And of the many issues, one of them was the inappropriate use of spiritual gifts. When Paul heard about the early church and all of that chaos like happening, he wrote this letter. Paul was consistently reminding them to use the gifts that God gave them for the common good. So why resistance? Perhaps it's because the gifts of the Spirit can be abused. They can be misused. They can be redirected selfishly and without wisdom or compassion. They're dangerous. Let me share one other reason of why not the Holy Spirit. Um, so when I was, this was several years ago, I was uh, attending Ambrose as an undergrad student, and we were attending what was called A-Live. It was like a worship night. And I was really hungry to participate with God, with the gifts of God, to serve others. And I remember sitting, uh, I enter into the room, and I just kind of felt like I heard the Lord's quiet whisper in my heart and my mind saying, there's empty seats in the front. And I'm like, oh. Like, you guys all know that feeling, right? <laughs> Just kidding. It's fine. <laughs> no accusations. Um, and so I was like, okay, Lord, I feel like you want me to go to the front. All right, I'll do it. I wanna, like, I'm in this, like, I want to be obedient mode. So I go to the front, 
and I'm sitting there, and I'm worshiping God, and it's a great night, and then all of a sudden, I feel like the Lord's saying, stand up, and I'm like, everybody's sitting down. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want to be that guy up at the front doing a thing, and everyone's watching, and I just felt like the Lord was like, stand up, and I was like, fine, okay, I'll stand up, so I stand up, and other people start to stand up too, and I felt, okay, Lord, maybe you're helping me help people. I don't know, and then he's like, kneel. Now, when I have these conversations with God, it's not like it's a direct conversation between Stephen or I. He's like, kneel. I'm like, I, but I just felt like the Lord was saying, what, what if you knelt down in front of me? And I, my heart was moved. It was a good worship service. And I just felt, Lord, I need to kneel down. I'm, yes, I, I submit to that. So I knelt down. And as soon as I like slid off my seat, because I just did not, I was like, oh, this is the worst. I'm so embarrassed. Um, I slid down and then I just started to bawl. Like, honestly, the Lord opened my heart and I just, I just wept. And I was just, I was just so thankful to know the Lord and so thankful to be worshiping him. And it was as if that just act of obedience just helped my heart and my mind enter into what God was up to. Later in the service, there was an opportunity for people to like come up and say things. So I, I'm sitting there, I'm like, no, I'm not going to say anything. Obviously, I'm not going to say anything. And then it's like, all of a sudden, I felt like the Lord was like, there's some people here that want healing. And I was like, that's great, God. <laughs> so <laughs> he's like, why don't you like go up and invite people to come receive like healing. I was like, next song set. <laughs> so there's a next, so there ends up being a next song set. And then, so I like, and then the guy turns and he's like looking to everyone. He's like, so does anyone else have like a testimony or something to share? And I just was like, oh God, okay. I think you want me to do this. And by this point, I'm like, ready and willing to participate with God. But I remember standing up in front of my peers and I felt so vulnerable. Like, it, it was kind of the worst to some degree. I didn't want to do it. It was hard. I was scared. Um, participating with the Holy Spirit in the use of supernatural gifts is incredibly vulnerable. Very vulnerable. Uh, I'll, I'll continue on. So I was vulnerable. I'm standing up there. I bring this invitation to the community. And, and then I'm like, not sure how to word it, not sure what to say. So I kind of stumble my way through it. And then I go and sit down. <laughs> I didn't really like give people really the opportunity that I thought I was supposed to. Um, and so I go sit down. Now, I think all of these things, that it's powerful, that it's complicating, that it's bewildering, that you get ridiculed, that you, it could be abused, that you feel incredibly vulnerable, these are all understandable resistances to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church. They are, and I get it. It isn't that simple. It's intimidating and even scary addressing some of the mysterious and powerful realities of the Holy Spirit at work in our world. His presence is empowering for us to do miracles, healings, perceive the supernatural world, speak in other tongues, share words of encouragement and prophecy, and the list goes on. This is hard. This is intense. There's power here. It's scary. And so, yes, even the early church recognized 
that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were dynamite. But the early church, despite knowing all of this along with us, were convinced to continue to pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It was tempting for them to not use these messy gifts, similar for us. But these fears were not enough of a reason for them to stop. Despite even the issues in Corinth, Paul was not asking them to stop using the gifts, to stop pursuing them. Even with their misuses, their selfishness and sin issues, he still said to pursue the gifts, go after them, go after them, seek them out. Paul, it would seem, understood that the problem was not in the gifts. So what does Paul understand about the nature, role, and personality of the Holy Spirit that maybe we sometimes today in our day and age miss? What does the early church see in the gifts of the Holy Spirit that seem to escape us? Well, love is hard. Love is complicated. We get that, but we all believe it essential. And I think it's true for the gifts. They are hard, they are complicated, but they are essential. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 says this, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the common good. We are only a complete body when we use all of our gifts. We as a church are only fully alive in the call of God as a community if we are all active in pursuing the unique gifts that God is desiring to equip us with. And when we use these gifts for one another, it does something for each other. It is for the common good. And this is beautiful. This is good. The Holy Spirit has gifts for, for you that I don't have that I need. Does it, that what I mean is by that is you have gifts that God will design for you to use that can serve this church in ways that I never could. And selfishly, I want to be in a church where we as a congregation can love each other well, serve each other well, shore up each other's weaknesses because what you might be strong in, I might be weak in, and vice versa. And by doing that, we get to actually share and make something good out of, out of these things. The unity of the church as the body of Christ requires that we are active in our pursuit of these spiritual gifts, as scary as they might be. But they are worth it. And it was clear in the New Testament that even with all of the complexity, it was still something to pursue. They understood that these were for the common good. Now, I was hesitant to come up on stage. I guess I'm hesitant every Sunday, but I was referring to back on that one day when I had to ask about the healing and all of that. And I think that, that there's a reason for that vulnerability. And the reason is, it's 100% it's faith. So the unique thing of spiritual gifts is that it all rests on the Lord. And that's exactly what it needs to be. 
Serving others with the power of the Holy Spirit directly reveals the love of the Father to that person. And that demonstration is revealed to not be from me and not from you and not from you. It is from the Father himself. Spiritual gifts uniquely use God's power to express his love to others. Like what I mean by this is we all know people who are lovely, loving, good people and they do not know Jesus. They don't follow him. We know kind people who do not follow Jesus or or claim him as Lord. We know generous people who have not experienced the salvation of God. And, And we celebrate the good that we see in the world. But the one thing that they will never be able to do is show the love of God to others through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the gifting of the Holy Spirit. It is not accessible to them. It is not an option. It is a unique gift of God's people to demonstrate the love of God, that the Holy Spirit is real and active and at work. And if we don't use them, they'll never get used, they'll never be shown, and God's love will never be revealed in that way to the world. And that is something for us to take seriously. Why do we pursue the spiritual gifts? So that we can be active in showing the love of God. In 1 Corinthians 4.20, it says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. So I was standing on stage. I said all of those words about, okay, community, friends. I feel like the Lord is inviting some of you to experience healing. And I remember thinking to myself at that time, okay, I need to qualify this so that, you know, it's not, like, specific. So I was like, okay, maybe it's emotional healing. Maybe it's spiritual healing. Maybe it's relational healing. And maybe it's physical healing. Like, that one felt really risky for me to, like, say out loud. And so I remember just saying it, feeling at peace, like, Lord, this is what I was supposed to do. You wanted me to do that um, with my peers um, those years ago. And then I sat down, and I just thanked the Lord for helping me say the things I needed to say. And then about a minute or so later, um, there's someone came up and like tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Hey, do could there's a person that want like move to the side? You said like over on the side that's like wants to talk to you about that." I was like. Okay, so I got up with this person. We went to the side, and this one lady just said, I, when you said that, I felt like the Lord whisper that I should ask for, for healing. My back is a mess. It hurts. I, I'm uncomfortable. I wish it wasn't the way it was, and I feel like I'm, I was supposed to tell you that. And I was like, okay, then let's pray. So my, myself and her friend, we laid hands on her back, and we prayed for her. We prayed that the power of God would heal her back. And I, I, um, I'll be honest with you, I felt that the Lord was like doing something to her back. I was a little nervous about it. I was unsure about it, but God was doing something. I felt a sense of presence. I felt a sense of active energy, and God was at work. And I say it in the way that I say it, because that was my experience at the time. It was tentative. I wasn't sure. And I was just like, Lord, may your will be done. And that's all I prayed. May your will be done. May your will be done. I don't want to get in the way of whatever you're up to. I don't want to 
decide that it's going to go this way or that way. But we prayed, and then I didn't even ask her. I just was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> but what I did do is I looked over in the corner of my eye, and I saw her standing straight, arms raised, with a, a face of joy and worship. And I felt like the Lord say, whether she's healed forever or not today, she worships me unencumbered. And I was like, whoa, okay, okay. That, that, was, that was enough. And I felt the Lord's pleasure and joy. And that has not been my everyday experience. That has not been my lived journey from that day up until this day. But I felt as even as I was working on this sermon, this was a hard sermon for me to write because I felt like it's not words, it's power. Like Paul literally says that the, whole, the presence of the Holy Spirit isn't about words that someone says, it's about the presence of God, the power of God. And that's intimidating because I could say a bunch of good things and all of it could fall flat if the Holy Spirit actually doesn't activate and fill us as a congregation. So my invitation to us today is this. Pursue the gifts. Give attention to them, even with all of the reservations you might have. They are a beautiful tool in building up the community. They build up faith in other people. They help others. They serve one another. They demonstrate the reality of God, a loving God in the real, in the now, in the here. They expand the kingdom. And they push us to be a people of greater faith. So what do we do? Well, I would encourage you to prepare yourself. This week, read Romans 8. Talk to people about spiritual gifts. And pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us as a congregation. If you would commit to doing that, that would be good. We need to interact with the Lord about this. We need to prepare ourselves. We need to hunger for this. And then come next week with a heart open to receive a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Whether you were filled years ago, whether you don't know you were filled, whether you have questions about what that even means, you've never been invited to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Come next week willing to ask for more of the Spirit, more of his gifts. And we as a church will just put that before the Lord as an opportunity for us to interact by faith that God is up to something for us. I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and sing Reckless Love. As, as we're singing, I would encourage you to reflect on what are the barriers that you might have in your life. I listed six of them, and the big one for me was that sense of vulnerability. Um, and so that's one of the things I'd encourage you to do. And as we're singing, if, if you feel personally that the Lord is calling you to do some form of response, to act in some way, I would encourage you to do that. Um, and then for the rest of us, that we would prepare ourselves and that we would ask this week that the Holy Spirit would prepare our hearts for next Sunday, an opportunity for us to go after the filling of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, 
You are so kind and merciful to your people. You're so generous. You're the God of second chances and third chances. And Lord, we as your people are not your people without the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we are so thankful that you witness to our hearts the truth and reality of Jesus. That you, Holy Spirit, make Jesus known to us and to the world. That you allow scripture to come alive and be the living word. Holy Spirit, we are so thankful that you are active and continue and you desire to help us live out with greater love, greater acts of service to one another. And Lord, we know that one of these ways is for us to willingly participate with you, Holy Spirit, in the giving of supernatural gifts. As complicating as that might be, by faith we believe that that is scriptural, biblical, that it's a part of our tradition, and it is the conviction of us as a community that we be active with you, Jesus, your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, if there's anyone here who's not even said yes to you yet, Holy Spirit, we know that you are speaking to them, that you are pulling at their hearts, that you are whispering, say yes to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus. Surrender your life to this good man who is God and man who paid the price so that we could be free. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are whispering that to people here or online. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would prepare us for you, that you would allow us to be willing and vulnerable in front of you. It requires so much faith. And so we just ask for your help in that. Teach us, Lord, to be the kind of church that responds to your call and whatever that looks like. May we sing this song with with a prayer and a praise and a conviction that we can be a church that follows you because of your deep love for us. Amen.